Studio Interviews. I'm your host, Diana Brown. And today, people, who else is with me but Dan Wilson, because he makes it all pretty. We're doubling back on ourselves today. A little while back, you might remember, we had the pleasure of sitting down with two enigmas, two people in San Francisco that no one has really quite figured out, but we know something's coming out of the Market Soma area, and uh, South Market, I should say, the Soma. And uh, it's all good, pretty much. Basically, these men have created a living experiment. They took a group of actors and they kept them in a building for three straight months. And uh, the product of that was called short-lived. Actually, they did let their actors go home and take showers and go to work and have a life. One person only was there every weekend, and we'll get to that. And if you haven't guessed by now, it's true. We are back with the creators of short-lived Piano Fight Productions. And I got to give it to them. Not many guests come with their own refreshments. We always try to have at least some waters on hand, but these boys rolled in their keg. <laughs> now, the producers are sitting behind the actors. It's good to know the producers are always back in their actors. And uh, they literally are sitting behind them, drinking out of the keg from the closing night party. The place was packed. And believe it or not, they managed to get the executive director of the San Francisco Ballet on their stage last night and we're gonna let the person who actually performed with him tell us a little bit about us welcome christy crowley you played thank uh, you thank you for being here appreciate it your character in that particular epic moment was zako and zako has a resume zako has an extensive resume actually um people don't don't know when they when they first open to the scene but zako is a classically trained sock puppet (laughs) And it's not often you can say that, but I have watched Zocco in, the, in uh, many shows, and I'm not even going to stray from short-lived. The, the arc this character took throughout the run was, yes. was magic, and this yes. is one of the only pieces that didn't get voted off. Is that correct? Uh, actually, I believe it did get voted off, but we Fools! loved Charlatans! <laughs> no piece survived yeah. without getting voted off. No right. piece! Death in an Death Elevator, in elevator survived, survived the whole run, but then got voted off at the end. Outrageous. So no piece lived through... Yeah, that's cool. Now, for those who uh, haven't had the opportunity to listen to the short-lived uh, original short-lived interview uh, with Piano Fight Productions, the entire process... Like pirates, you say the name of their company and they drink and <laughs> arg. It's kind of cool. Short-lived. Uh, I love what Rob Hurwitz of the San Francisco Chronicle called it. It called it Survivor for Writers, and they took uh, short works from writers from all over the country. It wasn't limited to the Bay Area, and they put them up in a cage match, and the audience became professional theater critics and got to vote people off the island, as it were. And so the actors weren't really the ones being judged but they were in or out based on the audience's vote. So Zako didn't live to see the entire thing. Zako was, what he, Zako was in fact voted off, but we elected to keep Zako going because we loved the concept. And Zako has good people. And Zako is represented by an amazing agent and <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. team of representatives, and, and he had a tight contract that <laughs> was set up so that 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 he could never really leave. So you were so close with Zako. I would think that Zako taught you a few things about the business. He did, but I, I will say it's an interesting relationship because in some ways I feel like, you know, like I birthed Zako. You in know, a we, way, we, I mean. And, and so I think it's like any parent-child relationship. Absolutely. 
I can see that. You have the child, and then the child teaches you. And <laughs> Exactly. And that's the progression of life that we love to see. Yes. Um, I will say Zako did remind me a lot of you. I mean, Zako's voice is very similar to yours. <laughs> very similar. I think the big buggy eyes, um, <sighs> small mouth. Uh, you know, th there were some definite characteristics that I, I think were, were similar. Maybe sense of timing. You know, Definitely. Comedic nuance. Well, let's just say that you're inside Zako. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've really got my thumb on the, on the pulse of that little guy. <laughs> well, let's hope when uh, Zako's career continues to take off and he goes international, he doesn't forget who put him where he was. I, I sure hope so. I, 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 I hope that he continues to, to lean on me, so to speak. <laughs> now, not the only person in the room today. We also have Stephanie Goldstein. And Stephanie was the individual I spoke of earlier. Stephanie was in every single performance of Short Lived. Yay. And how many shows was that? 26, right, guys? Yes, 26. 26. They're nodding and refilling yep. their beers. <clears throat> 26 shows. Yeah. All right, so when you began this process, did you have a preconception of it, and was that shattered as the time went on? Hmm. Can I talk about the sock puppet and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I knew it would be a blast, and it was a blast. How could it not be? Look who's yeah. producing it. Yeah, you know, and the pieces evolved, and, and they were so variable, and um, it was, and the people were really great. You know, we got rid of some of the riffraff. <laughs> <laughs> For the better, I'd say. You know, it was only it was only going up from there. The first couple of rounds, there were some people in there that, whose names we won't repeat. But no, uh, I, I, obviously, I'm kidding. And uh, you, uh, you might have actually say, Stephanie, you found a little romance in this. I'm just saying on stage. I just want to say it looked real. I got. A stage kiss. My first, my very first stage kiss. What? Really? Yes. This is was your first stage kiss. Yes, ever. The From a trained professional. And would you would you mind introducing the gentleman who I believe <laughs> is sitting to your left at this moment? This is Jeremy. Mesha? Mesha, that's correct. Jeremy Mesha. Well, when you've been that close, you learn how to pronounce someone's name. <laughs> Jeremy, welcome. Thank you. Thank now, you uh, how do you feel being the first uh, man to? Uh, to, to take Stephanie in that way on stage. They should do a first radio kiss. I think they should. I mean, if we could hear them crying out, they would be. But. Wow, that was amazing. Oh, that was hot. Okay, there wasn't any tongue, but it, the contact was smoking. Uh, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about that piece, though. It was uh, twice as bright, mm -hmm. and it was uh, the goal that, that uh, your character was to have a relationship in 10 minutes. Yes, I meet... Jeremy's character in a bus station. And I just want to say that piece was written by Daniel Heath, who's a good friend of mine now. And he's a really, really brilliant playwright, I think. And he's now the winner of Short Lived. We had a recount after, last we night. We did have a recount. Whoa, hold on. All right, now last night, I, I attended closing night. It was a hoopla media circus crazy throwdown. And they did count the votes. And so for the first time, the winner of the round, and, and uh, thus the entire thing, was announced at the end of the night. But what was announced, was, yeah. Kung Foolery, now also a piece that featuring Dear Miss Stephanie. Coincidentally enough. Coincidentally <laughs> enough. <laughs> but no. Well, what they did <laughs> was they split up all the uh, they split up all the scorecards into like fourths and gave them off to people, and everyone tallied them up like just with their own 
head, basically. There's no Ooh, calculators involved. So and the, the American so educational system is at fault. The probability of human error was <laughs> very high. Very high. Very, 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 very high. There were a couple high. of hanging chads, and <laughs> right? you know, the yeah. machine didn't read the One scanner, of the counters was from right. Florida. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and you know that, how that could go. Yeah. It could be held up. I'm kind of impressed you were able to just clean it up right away. So when did you come to this conclusion? Was it first thing this morning? No, no last night, probably about an hour and a half. Yeah, <laughs> 1 a.m. or something. <laughs> <laughs> because Jeremy here put it into an Excel spreadsheet. Uh-huh. And if you could have seen the little wifely touch on the shoulder that would just transpired between the two of them, I don't know. I'm thinking this stage kiss is going to take us a whole new direction. Guys, stop making out. Jeez, this is an interview, not a makeout session. We're rehearsing. <laughs> Show's <laughs> over, kids. Tell how, the, tell how the recount went for them. Yeah, break okay, it down. So the recount went. Um, I gathered all 64 scorecards and um, basically went through each one and, and tallied every single score for uh, each short. And it came out to, I don't remember the exact numbers, but Daniel Heath's Twice as Bright won by one point. One point. One point. Over Kung Foolery. Over Kung okay. How do you feel about beating yourself out, Steph? Um, I'm. I, I don't have a good comeback for that, sorry. I you don't, I, we want the truth. I feel great. No, actually, you know what, I was really, Kung Foolery is great, and Dan and I. I don't feel very good about it. In fact, Jeremy, <laughs> your first radio beatdown. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. but because Daniel Heath is a friend of mine, and I brought his play to the show. Sure. And he's local, and, um, and you saw Twice as Bright, and I, you know, I felt like I really threw my heart into that, and so I was glad that it won. Well, that's awesome. I mean, it was a terrific little slice of life mm -hmm. happening in a, in a bus station, and I hope that, uh, when will we see the, the new play from him? Because that's what the winner gets. The winner of Short Lived, the winning playwright, gets a full production at uh, the off-market theaters. So we're going to have to look for this on your website, is yeah, correct? Yeah, uh, look for it, but in 2009. It'll probably be early 2009. Early 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what I thought was so amazing about this opportunity for actors and why I really wanted to have you guys come back and bring the actors and talk about this is you got to play so many different types of characters and be exposed to so many different people's work. Um, was this... Just talk about that experience in itself. That's really what I want our listeners to get from that. Did you feel challenged at any point? Did you feel that... Nope. You were playing. <laughs> Cakewalk. <laughs> beer, Diana. Head beer. <laughs> well, you know, the great lubricator, apparently, for all art is beer. I think we've learned that from yeah, Piano Beer. All right. Piano Fight! Piano Fight! again. Let me say it again. Piano Fight! Excellent. And Christy, you were a tour de force last night. You played so many different types of characters. You uh, obviously worked very closely with Zako in the beginning, and then we we had the opportunity to see you play Death in Death in an Elevator, and your interpretation of Death was not the swaggering, blustery, or the uh, robed figure uh, that we all think of, but it was this very quiet, retiring individual. Talk about that. I, I think uh, that that's a really fun scene that was really well written and um, a piece that I really wanted to do. Um, and I, I love the idea of 
this person. And and as the as the scene evolves, we 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 come to know that that this person is is. Um, sort of out of their element in a sense. This character of death is is um, moving out of dealing with the death of animals and is moving into to dealing with the death of humans. And it's sort of a step up the ladder. And this is your first big job. It's the first big job. And, and I think what's so human and wonderful about it is we all have known the experience of being unsure of yourself and feeling like you're a little in over your head. Sure. And I think that that nervousness and trepidation... Um, is something we can all relate to. Oh, definitely. And and so I, I love that part of it. But the flip side is it's so great when all of that's happening um, for someone who's actually really powerful yeah, in the beautiful. moment. Word. And so yeah. I, that, that counterpoint was really fun to play with. Nice. Yeah, and I had a great scene partner who, um, Kate Jones, who, who just uh, really had such a wonderful character crafted out for herself that, that playing with her was a real pleasure. And you were such a dichotomy there, the, yeah. the two of you. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm not going to give away the plot because you're going to have to go and find these authors and track them down and find <laughs> their work. Now, Jeremy, you played a pretty broad gamut of characters, too. You started out playing a, a character that was truly somewhat reprehensible and yet charming mm -hmm. in Passed Out, Get Out, actually written by one of Piano Fights. Hey! Arg! Hey. Producers and directors, you played a, a, sort of an anti-hero, I like to call you. You remind me a little of Thomas Covenant, not quite that far, but yeah. definitely uh, someone who did a lot of the wrong things for the right reasons, or yeah. right things for the wrong reasons. Just wrong didn't, just didn't know any better. Just didn't know any better. And then yeah. last night we saw you play a, a gentleman who would appear to have his life entirely together, uh, a doctor speaking at a conference, uh, an expert, and then actually you played the doctor. Your character was a, a researcher, research, uh, a research scientist. Yeah, a research scientist um, who studies pathogens, basically. Evil. A vector biologist. A vector maybe? biologist. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Goldstein, smart and brilliant, <laughs> brilliantly talented. So that character had a lot of vulnerability and was certainly. Um, not a stereotype at all. Talk yeah. about playing that role. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I just kind of thought that um, he was kind of the, the character who, who thought he had everything figured out. You know, like mm -hmm. um, he basically he had a he had an ultimate pursuit for truth. You know, like he, he had been studying viruses for twelve years, and I basically imagined that you know he was working on like the Ebola virus or something like that. You know. And um, he just wanted to pick it apart and learn it and whatever. And so he walks into this bus station and um, he immediately thinks he knows who this, who this woman is that wants to talk to him. But as the play goes on, he realizes she isn't exactly what he thinks she is. And um, in that discovery, he realizes that maybe his understanding of things, you know, his black and white understanding of things isn't really the way he should view the world, you know? And at right. the end, he's, he's basically, like at the end he says, maybe knowledge is the opposite of love, you know? And he's just like this immediate realization and it's too late, you know, too little, too late. And that's obviously. <laughs> and the winning piece of the entire thing. That's incredible. I love it. thought into your character. <laughs> it's amazing. If yeah. you could see, <laughs> and we have the producers sitting behind the actors right now, and they are so blown away by the things that you have to say. They're looking at you like, where did they get this? This is amazing. <laughs> they just Who thought knew? They were, they Go know. They brilliant and just pulling it that's, out of our that's one of the That's one of the big things that, um, that, that short-lived 
that, that surprised us about Short Lived. It's a competition for writers, but actually these actors that we had uh, were just incredible. And they took, it, they took this project on uh, full steam and, and really you know, impressed us. And uh, it is a competition for writers, but uh, it comes down to how the actors portray it. And Definitely. this work that they put into it. And that was, it was, just blew us away. Very impressive. It would be, uh, the building we record our show in is uh, a, on the second floor, is a, th a theater plex, basically. There are two theaters and a rehearsal room and a, a, a community ticketing service across the hall. And if you were in the building when these people were rehearsing, you would see like eight different small little groups of actors working on a brand new piece because they would get their new piece, uh, a show would get voted off, and you'd immediately go right into a new piece. So you were constantly developing something new. I mean, this is like a master class in a way for actors. Mm -hmm. What an, what, just what an outrageous opportunity. I have this secret goal that they will launch this in every city in the country because I think it could be that successful. But you I got think, it. I think, I hope my dream comes true. Um, I think what's really important is to give a little more of a picture of like what a San Francisco actor's life is like. I remember in the middle of uh, the run, uh, Jeremy calls me on his cell phone to say, could you tell him I'm running late? I'm dashing in from doing a commercial. And so these actors are not necessarily just working on one thing. They're putting together work in theater and in, in independent films and in commercials and wherever they can. And some of them are writing as well. Or uh, You work in a uh, very creative environment, Stephanie. Now you actually are the number cruncher in that world at VidArts, is that uh -huh, correct? Video arts, yeah. Uh -huh. Video arts and you're surrounded by all this craziness. Now something uh, people may not know about you, but uh, when you're not short-living, you, uh, you uh, sometimes embody one of the great givers of the world. Do you want to talk a little bit about your mother, Teresa Stitt? This is totally <laughs> off piano bite, but the, <laughs> fact that she, but the fact this woman has played Mother Teresa, I, we've just got to put it out here. I'm outing you as a saint, basically. Oh. Um, well, that's for the Jesus Roast. Um, which is uh, Kurt Weitzman and Howard Stone production. And um, it's a roast, and I played Mother Teresa. And, and for those who more. maybe haven't ever seen a roast, yeah. um, started with the Dean Martin roast. It's something where you would uh, have a guest of honor, and then people would stand up and say nice but funny and sometimes not so nice things about them. And so basically you roasted Jesus. Is this correct? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you had one line that I, I really think is the tagline of the character about giving something up. Would you share that with us? I gave it up for you, now give it up for me. Right. Oh, because she's campaigning to, for sainthood, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Uh -huh. Too good. All right, short-lived. Three months of your life. Now what? Mm. Yeah, you get exactly, a week off Diana. And report back to Because <laughs> <laughs> little do you know, they're actually booking you all in Tahoe next week. Yeah, like, right. in the bus. yeah. short lived. We're touring. <laughs> short lived, Brussels. Coming to a city <laughs> near you. Yeah, right. This is not done completely by just the two of you. You guys have support and love. And earlier today, Dan, your. Mom and Dad helped you clean up the debauchery yes. from last yes. night. Wow. Yes. Your family came in and helped clean up your theater. And my little sister, too. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. They were like, <laughs> no, we want to be with you. We want to hang out with you. And I got to go clean the theater. Well, we'll clean it. That's amazing. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty disgusting, actually. 
<laughs> how amazing it is. Was that so, what Rob said? Love the in? fam. Yeah, and then Rob shows up a half an hour later. Hey, hey guys. Hey guys. Thanks for coming to the theater. By the way, we also you're just talking about love and support. Uh, love and support. There's another guy who's supposed to be here today. Yes, Eric yes. Reed. Eric yes. Reed. Yes. Um, who is a producer on the show, a director, a very talented actor in the show. He was all over the show, and uh, his his car was broken into last night. Boom. Boom. And he couldn't, so he had to deal with that today. But uh, but he was a, a, an unbelievable talent and an unbelievable it, it, it was just force in that theater. I mean, it was it was really amazing. The guy has boundless stores of energy, which is uh, rare. Eric, we love you. Yeah. If you ever met him, you do love him. And he won the the, the he directed the winning piece. Yes, yes. winning right on. and second place. Yes. Yeah, and, and second place. place. And yes. he's and he's very much an actor's director. He's oh, really yeah. fun to work with, you know, like he really um he really likes to get into the background of the characters, you know, and like really just knows how to talk to you and get what he wants, but also at the same time, you know, guide you, which is great. That's I think every actor's dream. Yeah. Now you uh you all had the pleasure of working with all the directors in this process, I believe. Is that correct? Did you work worked with Eric and you worked with Rob as well? And uh, was there any other people that were directing that I'm not thinking? Yeah, there was uh, uh, Gabby Pataxel, who was in the first Piano Fight. Yay! Yeah, hey. um, she I'm sorry, was that Piano Fight? Piano Fight! Yeah. <laughs> she, um, she, she, was, she directed a couple of pieces, as did um, uh, uh, Devin McNulty, who yeah. is also an actor in the show, and so did Ray Hobbs. Ray Hobbs took a, directed a piece as well, and he was a, both a writer and an actor in the show. Now you actually had actors come uh, 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 and, and of course, so did and so did. Excuse me, piano fight song. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, and Williams yes. wrote and directed a piece as well. I just figured if we were going to be thorough, you know. Now let's talk, talk about, about that, that piece. It's an excellent piece. <laughs> I loved the piece. Uh, the title of that piece it. was "The Show Must Go On," and it had a real interesting hook for the audience. Let's. Do you guys want to talk about watching that and, and, and guessing uh, the audience's response to that? If one of you take point on this one. Can you guys well, tell your reaction the first time? Yeah. You I can, <laughs> I, oh. So we were, we were doing, we had eight shorts the first weekend, and that was the only one that we didn't do for dress rehearsal. We None of us saw it. So we thought, okay, well, they just don't have it ready yet or whatever. So opening night, we're sitting there watching, watching all the pieces, and we saw that one, and... Does somebody want to set it up? Jeremy, do you want to talk about what it's about? or? Um, Go for it. Okay, well, uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't <laughs> see it. Like, I mean, we would go, we would do rehearsals, and then we'd do run-throughs, and, like, it would be like, okay, now we do the show must go on. they do the first line and the ending line, you know, and everyone's like, what is this? What is this? You know, these guys have been working on this. What is it, you know? And so, <laughs> so opening night, you know, we're all sitting watching, and... Um, <laughs> we're all sitting watching it and uh, rooting for them and wanting them to like you know hit a homer with it and then all <laughs> of a sudden um, Eric walks on and he starts fumbling his lines and he starts he starts fumbling his lines and doing like bad improv really like bad bad cover up messing up you know <laughs> and I'm like no they're so they're screwing up you know and I, I walk they're up, all very very good I, no, so this was very frightening yeah, of course yeah yeah I thought they were gonna like and it was really funny at first you know like really funny and it was laughing and the audience was into it but then all of a sudden there's these dead spots so I couldn't watch it anymore I go out into the hallway and I left and I tell everyone I tell everyone that like I'm like they blew it they, they, they blew it you know they, 
They, oh, they couldn't he do did it. You tell know? everyone that. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I did. I went into the hallway. I, I, it was, was more. I was mortified. I know. It was Utterly. Like, Crap. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was going so well. <laughs> then I found out later at the bar <laughs> that that was the plan. <laughs> That's why it's called the show must go on. Yes. I think what's so interesting about that scene and and what's so wonderful about it is to see what is essentially one joke go for an entire scene and be so satisfying yes. at the end, you know? And the, the other thing I love is is in our theater space, you as an actor can actually stand sort of behind the audience yes. and, and get a sense of just their energy. And there's, there's this great um, moment when Eric starts to sort of go up and, and, and not know his lines where there's this ripple of very uncomfortable laughter <laughs> that sort of goes through the audience and it's it's um, it's really laughter. it's really uh, just as a strange sociology experiment so interesting to see how the audience reacts to watching someone be incredibly uncomfortable yes <laughs> you know and 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 as it escalates people get more and more kind of uh, upset and and the energy in the whole room really shifts and then at the end there's this big reward of realizing that oh I've just I've just been had <laughs> you know the joke's on me and, yeah. and, and it's great also but you know Dan and Rob and Eric did such a good job with that because you have to be really subtle Yes. When you're doing, when you're pretending to forget your lines, you know, because you can't be obviously like nervous and anxious about it because, you know, you're trying to cover up. And and, I mean, they did it so phenomenally well that we all fell for it, you know. I mean, but that must not have been easy. No. It wasn't easy for us. No. I mean, it was, we, you know. Breezy, had the beer. (laughs) (laughs) Eric. Not difficult. Eric and, and I sort of, well, and Rob, we kind of birthed the idea, and then I went off and, and wrote the script. But it's basically the script is, the joke is that it's a scripted uh, screw-up. It's, it's somebody comes on stage and completely bunks the whole thing, and then... Uh, the bungs the whole thing. Bungs the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, inside joke radio audience, come see short lived, uh, and um, and then you know the, to the point where you know another the other actor brings the script out on stage. It's like it, I wanted to create everything that could go wrong, right, and just make it completely awkward. And uh, and and as an actor, as the three of us, I think we all had a lot of fun with it. We all loved it because you it's. It's a challenge to actually play that you're messing up. Definitely. And, and, and to, to, to play that awkwardness. But it also is fun because you get to recall every time you've ever screwed up on stage. <laughs> yeah. And you get to recall that feeling. You get to do that intentionally. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, to have, you know, 50 people in the audience just so awkward in their seats at you is, <laughs> is one of the greatest feelings. It's better. It's almost better than people laughing at you. It's very brave. And the piece scored low sometimes because people didn't realize that yeah. it was intentional. And and it even scored low because people didn't like that it made them awkward, which I thought was really cool. I kind of, I like the fact that, you know, I mean, the theaters, you know, it's good to be funny. It's good to be, you know, smart. It's good to be, but really what you want is a reaction. And an unexpected situation will definitely create that yeah. kind of reaction. And I also think it works so well because, like, the scene, like, before they start screwing up, it's actually a really good scene. You Hilarious. Know? I mean, yeah, it's like a stiff, rigid boss, you know, and, like, 
his Goofy. stoner slacker like <laughs> employee who just keeps on screwing up. I mean, that's yeah. who knew the words could this be so Rob funny? And Dan, oh, I wonder. <laughs> yeah. okay, all right, maybe this comes from. And Jeremy, actually, it's I want to say natural. that Jeremy took over. I, had, I took two weekends off, and Jeremy played my part. He did it excellently. He came in and lovely experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right really on. So. And I have to compliment you, Dan, because you you utilized my favorite insult in this, or maybe that was an ad lib from Rob, but. Ass clown. That's just a funny, funny, funny That's thing. That's Rob. That's straight out of Rob. I should have known. <clears throat> Very funny. And there was one tiny piece in the show I noticed you cut from the final lineup. Very short little piece. Do you want to? Boom. One, two, three. Boom. Yeah. So describe every, that. Does one of you want to take point and describe how that was set up for the audience? <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, that, that, uh, it, it, as, we, as we go through the show, we, we all um, take turns, all of the actors take turns introducing each scene, which is really helpful for the audience in terms of correlating the name of the scene with the writer with their scorecard. Of course. So we, we kept that going. And, um, and they, these, these good men of Piano Fight Productions. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Created a scene um, called <laughs> Boo, and we we actually did a, a blackout. And instead of having someone intro a scene, all of the actors came out, lights came up, and we yelled Boo at the audience. Instant blackout. <laughs> and it was it was a. Uh, it's pretty awesome to see that reaction. Like just before the lights go down, the audience generally has about a one second or two second lag time. And then they go, well, you can't see it. This is radio. Okay, never mind. <laughs> well, I, I, but I, they kind of recoil. Yeah, They're like, I, what, they do recoil. what? No, right. I, I and like then the lights go down, and then they laugh. It's really a funny... It's yeah. true. I like true. to think of it as it's like we're like a defibrillator for the audience. Yeah. Know, just <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like reset. <laughs> yeah. Wake up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a reset button like, to wake them up. All right, you guys case. are known for uh, a special warm-up, and you can even find it on YouTube. And if you will take us out of this interview doing your special piano fight warm up. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it would be sacred. I don't know. Wait, what, what, are you what, what do you mean? The, the, we're talking the quiz show or the. No, no, no. How you warm up your actors. I guess they'll just oh, have to find oh. you on YouTube. We, those are bad words, Diana. Yeah. I know, but we don't have any. I like it. All right. Well, director, could you please? I don't know. It? Rob doesn't want to share that, know. so I'm I don't saying. Know. It's, it's a pretty well, personal. It's also, <laughs> also prefaced by a rousing speech from Rob. Yes. You know, oh, yeah. Rousing. To get everyone to kick you the show. You just have to be ass. there, but trust me, if <laughs> yeah. you go to YouTube. Actually, I like it. I like it. Rob. Uh, Rob usually uh, rounds everybody up on stage, and then he goes, "All right, fuckers." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Piano fuckers. Piano fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, just Google Pianified on YouTube, and go I know find you'll it. find it. Find and uh, it. don't forget, not only are they uh, going crazy in the off-market theaters, but they also do their fabulous The Socia Project. Yes. July 3rd. Big show. July, July 3rd. 3rd. Roller show. Derby Girls. Oh, my goodness. July 3rd. Hip-hop. Roller Derby Girls. I mean, when can you see the Comedy. two together? Roller Derby Girls. Not enough, Diana. Not enough. Not enough. Now, actors that not only work for Pianified, although I know you're true to your... I know you're true to your school. Do you want to hip us to where we can find you independently? Do you have websites or shows coming up that you would like to shamelessly promote at this time? Um, they don't. They sign contracts, Diana. They, they're not allowed to work outside. All right. Well, I'm going to let you herd them back no, into their dormitories. Go, 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 go. <laughs> We're chained and bound. <clears throat>
Mm-hmm. Well, thanks Personal. for being on the show. And, uh, of course, let's thank again the crazy producers of this entire thing, Rob Reddy and Dan Williams. And also we've had Christy Crowley, very, very close to Zago, its mother, in fact. <laughs> Stephanie Goldstein and Jeremy Mesha. Thanks for being Thank with you. us. Thanks, Thanks Diana. Diana. Thank you. Thank you.